Hey there, I'm Zach Johnson. I'm Mitchell Hora. This is our new podcast, Fieldwork. We are both row crop farmers. I farm about 2,400 acres with my dad in west central Minnesota. And I farm a little less than 800 acres of corn and soybeans with my dad in southeast Iowa. Okay, so what is Fieldwork? Over the next few months, we're going to go through, we're going to do several episodes where we talk about sustainable ag practices. We're going to bring in a lot of guests that have experiences with that. We're going to talk about what the challenges have been and what kind of headaches they've had over trying to implement some of these different uh, different practices, and also what some of the successes are and, and the reasons that we maybe should be looking at doing things a little bit differently. Well, Zach, there will never be any headaches in trying to change things on your farm. We've been doing it this way for so long. Why... We've got to have it all figured out by now. It's all just sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. And even, uh, you know, we're 500 miles apart, um, you know, with your place up there in Minnesota, me down Southeast Iowa, but we really want to be able to foster a good conversation here, open up communication. Zach and I are, are all over the place online. I'm not quite as famous as Zach is, but you can check us out there and being able to have this conversation. We're going to bring in a stacked lineup of experts into this area a lot of different conversation, a lot of different topics to be able to open your mind a little bit into what are the opportunities, what are things you need to be thinking about on your farm. And a lot of you will be listening to this, you know, sitting in the tractor, letting the tractor drive itself. So uh, listen to our podcast and whatnot to gather a lot of good information and uh, foster a conversation on how you can think about your farm differently and think about where you want to be over the next decades and where you want your farm to be uh, for those coming generations after we are done with it. When you talk about stacked lineup of, of experts, um, I sat down with my dad recently and talked to him about some uh, some of his experiences with some of the different, more sustainable egg practices that he has tried. If you listen to the interview with my dad, you can get a good idea of his experiences with some of those other practices. Can you tell me what your experience is with no-till? Well, we don't have a lot of experience in no-till. I think it was probably the early to mid-90s. We had several years where it was pretty wet, and we didn't get the tillage done in the fall. So we came back, and, and we tried to no-till in the spring. And it seemed like every year we'd have the corn stalks standing, yet we would really fight the mud, and we'd have to wait longer to get out in the field. And we struggled. We packed the ground because it was too wet when we were working it, and we also didn't have as good of stands as we figured we should have. And... And we're so far north, it seemed like the crop was really slow at first, and it really never seemed to catch up through the whole summer. So were the yields quite a bit different? Did you check the yields on those? or We were hoping it would be the same, but I would guess we probably would have been five bushels the acre less, usually on the beans. Would you like to do no-till if you could make it work for you? Well, I think it'd be great if we could make it work for us. We're always having trouble trying to find labor and trying to find people to work for us in the fall. If we could just go out there and harvest the crop and not worry about tillage in the fall, that would really relieve a lot of a lot of pressure. It'd speed up the time. It'd be great for cost. If we could get no-till to work, we would certainly do it. You've struggled to see cover crops work very well in your area. You don't have many neighbors practicing that and having a lot of success with it. It's Yeah, very few neighbors trying it. I know some of the airplanes, several of them have gotten set up to try to seed uh, cover crops. And there's been a fair amount of people trying it, but it's really never gotten very far 
where anybody's actually gone 100% with cover crops or even 30 or 40% with cover crops. They're just, they're kind of trying it and with really mixed results. Uh, probably more results disappointing than, than good results. So there you can, you can hear my dad's experience on his farm with what, when he has tried things like no-till and cover crops and the, the, you know, the cover crop thing really has sort of become a popular idea in the last few years here. And, and we're going to get into that in some other podcasts and my experiences with cover crops, which have been similar to my dad's experiences with, with trying to do uh, a no-till in our area. And, and, you know, as he said, and, and as you'll learn from me, we would love to implement uh, cover crops and, and no-till on our farm. The, the struggle is figuring out, you know, economically and also artistically, I guess I put it, how you get that done and, and how you make that work for your farm. And so we're going to dive into a lot of that on this show. Yeah, I think it all boils down to how do I change and get it to work logistically and economically? And I think here we're really going to open up a lot of ideas on how can I logistically do things different and the economics. That's why it takes a lot of effort. takes a lot of good record keeping. takes a lot of pooling your resources and working as a group in order to get those economics to work out the right way. We'll queue up uh, the interview here I had with my dad, Brian Hora. I think our experience into this has been a little bit different coming from Southeast Iowa. Dad, we've been talking about, you know, the mentality and whatnot when it comes to conservation, cover crops, all that kind of stuff. Give us a little info on, um, one, the farm here and some things we've been doing um, and kind of that journey, I suppose, up to this point. Okay, so with uh, uh, the cover crop, we really kind of started this maybe four or five years ago, but really got into it three years ago. We started to get a little more serious about it um, and have grown the cover crop cover crop acres since. Uh, starting out at uh, 20, 30 acres and uh, made a few mistakes along the way, but now we're um, into where we have only maybe 20 acres that's not cover cropped this year. And um, and that's just for trial purposes. And the, the only reason it's not is because of trials, yeah, and we're trying to keep some check strips to, uh, those fields are no-tilled, but um, keep that check strip in there to see the value in the cover crop itself and what it's doing. So, and we've tried a few different things. Um, uh, after a year or two of working with the cover crops, all of a sudden we started seeing um, a significant change. And now after three years, we've really seen it where three years consistent cover crop, we're seeing some big things happening in the field during the summertime, observing what's going on in those fields. Um, earthworm populations jumping fast. Um, the soil tilth is a lot better. Um, you guys have seen it pulling soil samples. Um, and there's a lot of other people in the area that are trying a lot of things too down here. Southeast Iowa just kind of has a conservation culture. Tell a little bit about what you've seen there since coming back to the farm in the 80s and how that's changed. This, this county happens to be a very progressive county on a lot of fronts. Uh, No-till is one of those. Um, some things with uh, family farms and such down here as well. There's just a lot of people, entrepreneurs, wanting to take uh, risks with things and try new things up for their farm and be somewhat progressive with it. What's kind of your final takeaway on how do you overcome hurdles and stick to it to get to that transition period? Well, yeah, we had some we had some obstacles up front. Well, we were we were giving up some yield. Yeah. And uh, the first couple of years, we're still transitioning, still learning. Oh, yeah. oh it's still and, yeah, a lot to learn, and I don't think many guys really have it figured out yet. No. You know, so I think interesting conversation there to talk about how quickly we've had to learn and that we've over that we've had a lot of bumps in the road. Um 
my dad and grandpa and uncles started experimenting with no-till in the 80s. So it's been a long time coming. A lot of stuff that has to be learned. And I think that's where we want to continue to have that conversation and to expand upon it. You know, and during the day, yeah, I'm involved in the farm, but I've got a soil health consulting company, Continuum Ag, that we're trying to scale this up and tell that story. Zach, you're all about telling the story about agriculture and spreading a good message. Yeah, that certainly is a, a different conversation you had there with your dad versus the conversation that I had with mine. And, and just seeing, you know, as you said, we're 500 miles apart, but sometimes it seems like we're on a different planet. But the, the fact is, is that we are both farmers. We are both out here actually doing this and, and actually trying to make this work and, and figure out how to do that. And, and the big difficulty, you know, when, when you talk about trying to change the industry and, and conservation practices, we're looking at an industry that is, is well established now in the United States. We're really, really good at what we do. We're very efficient. Most farms are set up to be that way, to be efficient and to do what they do really well. And so when you bring in another practice and you decide to change something within the operation, it can change the entire structure of that farm and it can it can, can completely shift what it is you're doing and it, it can be very expensive. You know, one one little change on a farm can can mean some big drastic movements and, and that can be expensive. So we need to figure out how to make that economical for the farmers so that we can we can realistically look at making some of these changes because if it's not economical, you know, then, then it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to be really, really impossible to implement. We have to make sure we remain profitable. Well, and the whole thing being sustainable is if the farm itself economically is not sustainable, then it doesn't matter what you're doing to the soil or to the environment. If the family farm isn't there and sustaining itself and being resilient, then none of this works. I'm excited for future episodes of the Fieldwork Podcast and that we're going to open up a lot of options, a lot of ideas. There's not a silver bullet in this, but it's the general premise of cleaning up the water and being more environmentally cautious when it comes to our impact on the climate and on carbon, you know, producing a better quality product because really when it boils down to it, as farmers, we're trying to feed the world. We're producing food, fuel, and fiber, and we need to do it um, and the best practices that we can, but there's no silver bullet to it. But every person I think can continue to improve their operation, do things better. And uh, I'm excited to learn as we go about this process here too. So excited to, you know, be able to take those ideas back and implement them on the farm and that we are all very unique in what we're able to do. And our approach to this is very different. Um, but I think the overall goal remains that we want to do things better. We want to take care of our operations, take care of the environment, and uh, it makes sense to be able to do those things and to be able to document what's going on. Um, so Zach, tell me a little bit more on you know, your approach into this and uh, some of the things that you do in your day-to-day. In my day-to-day, um, well, I'm a, I'm a fifth-generation family farmer. Um, I, I was born and raised on the farm, and I'm still at that farm. I actually just bought the farmhouse for my parents. You know, we talk about um, being sustainable and having clean water and, and healthy soils. I'm a father of three. Um, we're also fostering our 17-year-old niece right now, so we've got four kids in the house. Um, we love to swim in the lakes in the summertime, and we make our livelihood off of that soil. Uh, we have a well on the property. We drink that water. So when it comes to having healthy natural resources, there's nobody that cares about that more than the family farmers that live out in those areas. And that being, you know, in our area, 
my neighbors, myself, my wife, my kids, we're the ones out there. And, and, um, so yeah, we're, we're fifth generation farm right now, working on the sixth proud family farmers, proud to be out there. Um, the, the, the boy is, is into sports, loves his sports, every kind of sport there, there can be. And, uh, he's coming up with sports that I didn't even know about. And he's got all kinds of, he likes to throw random sports facts at you. He'll tell you randomly something really cool about football and, um, You're like, I, how did you even know? Yeah, I, I like football, but this kid will just spew something random at me that I had no idea. And then, I, so when I hear something, I got to ask him if it was right or not. He's nine, by the way, mm-hmm. but he's he's up on it all. The girls, not so much into sports, but they love their gymnastics, ages three and six. And um, yeah, we're doing the family thing all the time, family and farming. I love it. And I think that's what's cool, you know, and being able to tell that story and being able to show we're out there too. We're directly involved in all this and our livelihood comes from this also. So we want to do things right. And if that soil is not being resilient and we're not sustaining that soil, then how are we going to have future generations farm it? I mean, same right. thing for my op, my family farm uh, that we've been farming in that area for well over a hundred years. We have some farms uh, that my family owns that we're actually only the second owner to ever own it. So bought it from the guy who bought it from the government and um, who homesteaded it. So these farms have been in our family for a long time and we want to make sure that they're in our family for a long time into the future. And we want to be able to tell the right story. We want to be able to show here's the path forward. Uh, here's our face as farmers and tell that story and tell the good things that we're doing to the consumer all around the world. Why don't you go ahead, Mitch, and tell us a little bit more about your family life. We heard from your dad, but Give us a little bit more background on who exactly you are. You bet. So multiple generation family farm for me as well. And I'm I'm directly involved in that. But as we pointed out, you know, we don't have that big of an operation. So I have my own soil health consulting company, Continuum Ag, where I spend most of my time documenting and improving soil health. You know, we're quantifying those soil parameters, utilizing soil testing, utilizing advanced technologies to be able to interpret soil data and make meaningful improvements on the farm. So that's where I spend a lot of my time, but we're practicing what we preach on the farm too. And uh, luckily I've got my dad as a guinea pig to be able to try out a lot of things, but work with a lot of leading farmers all around the world to help them to implement conservation management or, or more so just implement regenerative ag, sustainable ag, whatever you want to call it, utilizing best management practices like cover crops and reduced tillage and strip till and all that kind of stuff but also by implementing products as well, biological products, nutrient stabilizers, uh, different split application techniques, uh, starter additives, humic products, all kinds of different stuff and implementing some of those things there. Um, so I don't have any kids running around of my own um, back on the farm, but uh, just over one year married. My wife is a young entrepreneur as well. She has owns a dance studio down in Southeast Iowa. I've got four younger siblings um, that came after me all going through Iowa State and whatnot. My youngest brother um, is involved in my company. He's my drone guy. So we're flying drones. He's pulling soil samples. Uh, my youngest sister, Emily, helps out as well. She does marketing and whatnot for me and helping me to make some videos and uh, do some social media stuff. Not quite uh, the reach that you have, Zach, but hey, we're trying. Well, I, I don't know about you. I'm excited about uh, this Fieldwork podcast and what we've got going on here and and. Hopefully the people listening here decide to continue to tune in and and really check out what we're doing on this podcast. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
Well, everyone, thanks for listening and helping us to work our way up to getting a helicopter. Especially thanks to all of our folks here in the studio that helped to make this happen. Amy Baxter, Amy Scotches Cole, Dan Ackerman, Todd Melby, Ayana Esters, Lauren Humpert, Laura Doherty, Dom DeFurio, and Jeff Thompson. Johnny Vince Evans wrote our theme song and performed it with Corey Schreppel. Thanks for all the engineering and technical support that we got from the folks at American Public Media. And make sure you guys subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment. And leave a comment. Join us. Tweet at us. And tell your friends. Tell all of your friends. Tell all your friends how fun um, we are. Unless you're like Mitchell and you don't have any friends to tell. Well, but you can make friends on the internet. Well, that is true. Or you could have the types of friends that only you can see. <laughs> You can have all kinds of those friends. And you can tell them about it. It's fine. Or you can tell real friends about it, too. Take them to fieldworktalk.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of it at Fieldwork Talk. Roll Tide. Hee-haw. <laughs>